some point in time, it seems like some people continue always and forever to question, to ask questions, and maybe others stop with curiosity. And then, and then as an adult, they have to like relearn how to ask questions. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Mike, every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about their business and life. And this week, what I want to disrupt is the way you think about communication and specifically the mathematics of communication. And I know what you're thinking, mathematics, communication, you're not making any sense with your communication, Eric. The reality, though, is, is that communication is a problem in mathematics in that it requires a sender to add a message, the receiver has to receive it, provide feedback to the sender before it can be multiplied via understanding and clarity. And so in order to ensure that our message is not divided, we want to follow that mathematics of communication equation, Mike. And so when I say that, what comes to mind for you when you think about communicating with clarity in order to multiply the impact of the message? Um, what I think um, typically with communication is I, I, I feel like we always try to make more. Uh, we try to be sm smarter than we are. Uh, when in all reality, um, it's just about being simple uh, and having clarity. Um, and so and then also frequency. So like uh, checking in and making sure that um, from a, you know, a task perspective. So um, this book has been great. It's been eye opening one of my strengths or one of my not one of my strengths is communication so um reading this book it gives you clarity it actually gives you the models like you know uh when you're when you when you are communicating uh you said last week we we talked about the onus is on the sender of the message so you're you're sending that message and then you want to make sure that the receiver hears your message so just kind of getting clarity around that is, um, you know, that's that's huge. That's something I'm working on quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we think about um, the idea of communication, there's a couple of things that you uh, mentioned that I want to unpack and and what you just communicated, Mike. And that is um, the fact that communication should be clear, concise yeah. and simple. And I know that at I know that, um, you know, you you we're self-deprecating in that you said that communication is not your strength. And uh, I would argue that it's not mine either. And, and so I'm with you. I think we all likely have great opportunity always and forever to improve our communication skills. One of the challenges for me is, is communicating clearly. I think in abstract and I think in big um, vision and therefore it communicates in big vision and abstract concepts. And, and oftentimes that can be one of the challenges of leadership is, is giving clear directives rather than giving concepts. And so one of the things that I've realized in going through the, you know, the experience and growth of leadership is that um, it, it is truly on the onus of the, the leader to understand how does somebody receive a message how does someone need to um, be communicated with in order to make them most effective? Some can handle concepts and love the like freedom and the ability to be liberal with how they accomplish 
an outcome and others need to have a well-documented and clearly defined path to get from A to B. And, and so trying to understand how to, how to give that clear direct path um, can be a big challenge for me. What are, what are some of the specific communication challenges that you, that you've encountered, Mike? So as an agent, okay, as an agent, you have to, um, you have to uh, unpack the speak, the agent speak. So when you're having conversations with your client, you got to have conversations that they can hear. So a lot of times, um, um, I guess communication is, is, is you have to ask good questions. So in order to unpack, so what I do, especially when I'm working with a buyer, so during the buyer's process, I try to ask really clear, great questions. So in my years of being a real estate agent, um, there's certain things that home buyers, you know, they, they typically, they want, uh, or they, they speak. So when I, when I want to understand their budget, so someone says to me, okay, how much is your budget? And they tell me, um, you know, $200,000. And I say, and then uh, most agents stop. You can't, what does $200,000 mean to you from a monthly payment? So you want to get clarity around what it is. Another thing, uh, bedrooms. I, I remember one time I was looking for a four bedroom house for a client. And then when I asked them, I couldn't find them a four bedroom house. I asked them, what are you going to use for your fourth bedroom? I'm going to use it for an office. So I should have asked that question. And guess what? I found them a three bedroom house with an office. So we do a bad job of asking a question deeper. Um, that's, that's literally, go ahead. Yeah. Someone asked me that, that this week. And I actually get asked that question a lot because, um, I, I'm oftentimes surprised that, um, asking questions is not someone's like natural traits and skill set. So, um, how, how would you tell someone to ask great questions or what caused you to ask those questions in that specific, in the two examples you just gave, like, what's the key to asking questions? What goes on in your head? The, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a physician. So, like, if you come in to a doctor's office and you just say, my, my elbow hurts, um, that could be something physical trauma or it could be something on the inside. So the way a doctor, uh, the way a doctor tries to uncover that. Uh, another thing is lawyers. Like, I, I, follow, like, I follow lawyers and they ask great questions so then you can get clarity around what it is that they're looking for just by asking great questions. So um, the two examples are examples of questions that I ask all the time. And when you, okay, so part of it then is, is practice, right? Is like, you have to, you have yeah. to do it. Like you have to fail at it. Yes. You have to have learned from the experience of not asking great questions. And then the pain that comes with, um, not actually having understanding and all the time that that may have cost you or money that that may have cost you. So some of it is experience based. And then it kills um, the second you. thing like, that comes to mind. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like if you don't ask good questions, like I've lost deals because of it. I've lost uh, clients because of it. And then after you bump your head so many times, you just kind of pick up from it because people tell you the same thing. You just have to, um, you have to under, like, 
you have to understand where where they are in order to help them go where they're going. And so if you if you don't ask good questions, you'll never understand that. And that just takes training, listening to podcasts. I read a lot of books. I'm sorry. Let me cut you off. Yeah, and one of the other things too that I think that you um that you said that it, that I'm really interested in in understanding is what goes on in someone's head. Right? It's like what are the what are we listening to when we're in a conversation with someone? Is what that that is the most surprising thing to me that is um that is a either a learned or unlearned potentially skill for people. Because what I would argue is, is that as children, we all have the ability to ask great questions because children are curious about everything. And therefore they ask when you said, um, I use the example all the time. When you, what, daddy, what was that noise when, for thunder, right? Is there's the curiosity of why am I scared around a loud noise? And so a child asks that question. At some point in time, it seems like some people continue always and forever to question, to ask questions. And maybe others stop with curiosity. And then and then as an adult, they have to like relearn how to ask questions. Mm -hmm. and, and so what goes on in your head when you're in a conversation with someone and you're thinking about asking questions? I'll interject and say with ADHD, I'm all over the place. <laughs> so if like you're not if like somebody's starting to talk over my head about anything, I start like I'll get hooked on a word. If so if somebody uses a big word that I've never heard or used or whatever, like I'll start thinking about that word and just like where did that word come from? What's that mean? Yeah. Who else yeah. has said that word? And like all of a sudden I'm thinking about something that you don't want me thinking about. And so it's explaining things to me like I'm five really goes a long way. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, Tyler it's me. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you're absolutely right. And we try to use big words to, in order to prove our worth when in all reality it's ineffective. Yeah. Go ahead, Tyler. What were you going to say? I was going to answer whatever Eric was about to ask me. <laughs> um, actually, uh, I'm guilty of, the, I'm, I'm guilty of uh, using uh, vocabulary that is probably not wildly effective at communication. <laughs> um, and, and so um, – it's odd. I actually, uh, part of it is probably as a habit um, and a pattern. It's it's actually harder for me to um, speak simply than it is for me to like alter my vocabulary like down. Um, and and so part of it is is like what you listen to, right? It's it's truly the concept of like who you surround yourself with. And so if you're surrounding yourself with academia and and research and jargon you're highly likely to channel that in your communication and so that that certainly comes yeah. out that's a that's that's a communication flaw of mine um, is being able to simplify um, sometimes my vocabulary to be more effective but um tyler you know one of the things that i wrote down when when i was listening to you is, is that big words cause distraction and therefore um, create ambiguity and and so I'm intrigued because you you're probably hearing a word and and you're like being velcroed to that. What are you what are you saying to yourself at that point? Um, I'm literally asking, what's that mean? And then I'm waiting for context okay. on what that word might mean. 
Okay. Or um, if it's like if it's a conversation that like starts getting a lot of details in it, and it's been a while, and it's like a like you're working up towards the uh, working up towards the point. I start wondering. So what was the point of this? What's <laughs> like when's like what's the point of where like where are we going with this conversation? Um, that starts coming through, and I think you notice that like a lot with and I'm like in the disc profile, I'm like an IS. So like I've, I've, I'm patient with you with my S personality, but I'm also, my I just has me literally start thinking about anything else. So like, unless the conversation keeps me engaged or somebody's asking me good questions as well. Like Eric does a good job with that of like, you'll, when you're kind of wanting clarification on something, you'll ask something. And then that kind of keeps me even on task of like answering one of your questions as well too so it's i feel like did that make any yeah, sense yeah yeah it does and okay. and so um if i were going to follow the communication model in this instance i would um basically receive your message right as the receiver and then i would give you feedback on what i believe that i heard and believe that i understood so i would regurgitate your what what i heard you say in that specific instance so that you could confirm or affirm what I heard and therefore we yeah. could have understanding or we could go back and forth in that exchange of information until there was a level of understanding. Right. And, um, and, and so in that particular instance, I'm not going to, but I think that that I want to make sure that people understand that that's the key is that the receiver still has responsibility in every communication interaction. And the responsibility is providing feedback to affirm yeah. the, the sender and to um, check for understanding. And, and, yeah. and the sender then has a responsibility, which is to use simple um, words and language, minimize jargon, and keep a message clear and concise. And by clear and concise, it's, you know, how can it be delivered in less than 10 words? Yes. Do you understand yeah. it so well that you can deliver it in 10 words or less? And, and whoever just said, and whoever you just said it to, can they take what you just said and say to somebody else the way you intended it to be said or explained? Yeah, because if not, is there understanding? Yeah. And what helps me is asking, like, with the asking of questions, I typically, like, in certain scenarios, so, like, when I'm interviewing people, I'll typically ask the same questions because then over time... I hear the same responses or different responses, and I can I can kind of tell outliers. Or so, if I'm working with a, a buyer or if working with a seller, I'm looking for like budget, area, what kind of concerns, the the, uh, the size of their home, uh, time frame, etc. So I'm I'm asking. I have a canned question, and then I have a question deeper of each one of those phases. So, for example, I don't want to paint myself into a picture. So if I want to get clarity around, um, say, um, you know, uh, budget, and I talk about monthly payment, I say, okay, you're right, currently you're paying how much in rent? You're paying 1500 in rent? Okay, great, awesome. Up to how much, if I found you the perfect home, you're comfortable with 1200 up to how much would you be comfortable paying for a new home? And by doing that, I'm actually stretching what their budget is. Because normally that first number they're giving me 
is normally where they would have come up with. And normally, I'm now I'm setting that as the floor, not the ceiling, and I can help them. What what I heard you say, Mike, is that you, what you're doing by asking someone questions is you're changing the box that their thoughts are packaged in. And by that, I mean when 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 someone brings you a perspective or a thought or an answer they're they're wrapping it up into their own vision and the in the and their level of understanding mentally and then they're trying to communicate the mental picture to you as the receiver so in that particular instance you said um this is the paint this is the purchase price of the property two hundred thousand. Okay, so that's what they see when you talk about price. But what you want to know is, and your question was, does price mean just purchase price or could price also mean monthly payment? And so by asking right. the, the question about monthly payment, you're changing the box that their interpretation of price came in. And by doing that, you, you allow people to be unframed with their thinking in order to potentially think differently about price in that particular instance or whatever the context and, is that it came in. In a more comfortable, like not everybody spends two, $300,000 every day, but everybody makes a payment. So by being able to like not get stuck in our jargon mm -hmm. and, and, and realtor speak, and able to then frame it in a in context in a way they're able to receive it. I'm able to now have a more effective conversation. You know, if that makes any absolutely sense. Absolutely, it does. A good example of this, Mike, is uh, right now um, I coach one of our CEOs in um, out west, and uh, there's this you know flight of people leaving California as a byproduct, a lot of um, the markets out West are actually going up in price significantly above the national average. For instance, um, there are cities in Idaho that are up 80% or more year over year. Entire home, the wow. entire um, valuation of the real estate market in Idaho is up 54% uh, year over year as of now. And, and a lot of that is based on the fact that they're seeing this huge surge of people leaving um, Portland or leaving Oregon, Washington and California. And so as a result, the home prices have gone way up, which means the person who was thinking about maybe a um, what used to be a $300,000 home a year ago is now looking at that same equivalent house and it's 500,000. And yeah, 425. Yeah, and they're not yeah. they're not yet able to um, conceptualize the fact that today that that property is worth um $150,000 more than it was a year ago. And so, you know, in coaching the CEO, one of the conversations I've had is, is that you have to change the packaging that that person's thought model comes in. And by doing that, we have to ask different questions, which is maybe we need to have conversations and questions around tax rate. For instance, if you're going to be keeping the same job and making the same amount of money every month between California and Idaho, how much more will you be keeping by moving from California to Idaho? How much more money um, will you be left with at the end of the month, even after your home price went up by 50% year over year because you're not paying taxes in California anymore? 
And we have to shift the, the right. model and the thinking for how people package the paradigm. That's right. You shift that paradigm for how people bring you some of their challenges by asking unboxed and unframed questions, or at least changing that for them in order to have that communication. And so, um, so I think it's important that, that we understand that, that communication is a, a addition and subtraction um, equation of sending, receiving, and then feedback. And, um, what are some of the what are some of the like failures in communication that you see inside of real estate, Mike? The problem is I'll say a word and you'll say a word mm -hmm. and I mean this and you think that. So getting bridging that gap in that delta, that is what's going to be key for for being a, a, a real estate agent, an entrepreneur, a leader, uh, bridging those gaps. So I'll t I have a perfect example. I, I had a guy call me, was pre-approved for $200,000 just a couple years ago, a few years, three years ago. He wanted to build a house in Kokomo. So we went to Kokomo. We priced out the house. That's where the, that's where the uh, beach boys are, right? In Kokomo? Isn't that, uh, in yeah, Kokomo, right. right. <laughs> so we were, going to, we were going to build a house in Kokomo. And what happened, well, he rewrote the contract. We got pre-approved. I never stopped and asked him. I said, okay, I know you're pre-approved for 200000 What kind of payment do you want to pay? And he was like, oh, I want to pay like $800. Well, hold on, time out. <laughs> That's that $800 isn't $200,000. Yeah. So if you want eight, we just built him a $200,000 house and you want an $800 payment. If I would have stopped and said, okay, you're pre-approved for 200000 did your loan officer share with you? what that meant from a monthly payment perspective yeah. and he said he would have said no and then i would have told him and i would have saved him that heartburn yeah yeah love that um what are some of the challenges that you see tyler with agents um i would say you know it's interesting i it wasn't until i started filming real estate and really kind of across the country and then i've realized when I started filming more like local businesses and different things here in town, that the word culture is never used anywhere but real estate in this industry. And so when it comes to like, and maybe in like big corporate environments, but what I've noticed is um, culture to a lot of people as these smaller businesses that I've filmed, I'll mention like, kind of like, what's the company culture like? And they'll be like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, well, what do you guys all like? Like, what do you guys do? Like, what's the overall vibe for yeah. this place? Oh, okay. But, but like, I was so used to just like even just being around different people that use words like vision, um, culture, and product, like the word productivity in general. Like, they just don't think in these like coaching terms, if yeah. you will. And so what I've, I've realized it's easy in the, in the real estate world, especially to get caught up in the jargon. Um, yeah. Because culture is pretty that's where I noticed and under delivered and really abstract. And we that, don't know what too, it means. Right. That's right. Nobody knows means, what it means. Yeah, right. It's just generic. It does, yeah, dude, I a hundred percent agree. I think it means something different to everybody. And up until I started filming, in real in the real estate world regularly it was like culture to me was just like oh okay so that's what it's like in this part of the world 
Like it was, not, it was much yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, like Asian culture, right? There's, there's African American yeah. culture. There's American culture. There's you know all these different, all these different yeah. cultures, but none of them, uh, uh, for the most part, apply to uh, businesses, or at least not in regular communication, except for in our industry. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, I, and I it's incredibly lot, overused and underdelivered and and really ambiguous. And, and that's one yeah. of the challenges I've encountered as well about from a word choice standpoint is, is that it doesn't give any clarity on what it truly means. It also makes it hard to recruit to and again. Because when someone tells you when you're that. competing against someone and they're like, oh, yeah, they have great culture. And you're like, well, how do you know? Well, they said they do. Mm-hmm. Or they have yeah. great training. I went to this it's hard to measure. That's right. Yeah. It's hard to measure culture because that's something that it's 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 like you feel it. It's like the it's it's just like hard to it's it's really hard to to, to really articulate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But I think the biggest thing is to be honest with you in your business when you're communicating with things, the words that you use. Make sure that the words that you use is the words that they hear. And yeah, so that's that's the challenge and that you're seeking clarity and understanding as feedback to ensure that what you're saying is in alignment with what they're hearing. Right. You're always checking for understanding in a two way conversation. And then, uh, you know, kind of lastly, as we as we wrap things up, I think that we also have to remember that all of our communication has to be you centered. And I mean, you, the listener centered. As in when I'm communicating with you, the listener, it's imperative that I'm communicating from the perspective of what I want you to hear. Because if my message is all about communicating to me or communicating to a large generalized audience or a large generalized group, you don't associate with the large group. You do associate with you. And so my message needs to be listener centric. And everything needs to come from the perspective of how do I deliver a clear, concise message that's low on jargon, big on impact, that is you, the listener centered in order to deliver a great message with great outcome.